COE champion over everything. Hey, what's going on, champions? Once again, I want to welcome you to COE Champion Over Everything. Today, I have one of my sisters in the ministry, Miss Felicia Johnson. How you doing today, sis? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Reginald? Doing good, doing good. So today, a part of what we're going to do, we're kicking off March. We're going to bring her in, and she is going to tell us about this particular book, this powerful book, Lead Like a Follower, and also the program that she has with uh, young adults. So, uh, you know, today we're just going to kick it over, Miss Felicia. The podium is yours. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I could start. Um, I would like to tell you a little bit about how I got here, if that's OK with you. Uh, Many people know me from the field of education. I was a teacher. I was a principal. And I um, had a great team around me who made some really marvelous gains when it comes to scores and behavior for kids in our community. And at some point, I had a mentor in my life who, who said to me, if you're not afraid to travel, you can really impact a lot of people. And um, that person left um, Hattiesburg, but that person went on to work for the National Department of Education and opened a door for me to work in so many different states. And so I walked away from the principalship with nothing but a promise, uh, just a promise. <laughs> That's it. And I started out with one state in, that included only two schools. And here we are, we have boots on the ground in nine states and um, four countries that we uh, do work in. And with our IPD program, we actually have uh, work in every state of these United States of America. And so one of the other things that happened to me in 2019 is I was praying one day, and I hope I can say that, um, and um, I felt impressed this scripture was on my heart, ask me for nations. And I thought that doesn't make sense, but okay. So I just started praying that way. And later on that year, I had no intent of going to another country, but I got a call to ask me if I would come to a different nation. And I thought, wow. well, sure. sure. And uh, since then, God has just opened up a lot of doors for me to do a lot of work with people who want to start businesses and people who are in the education field or people who just need uh, personal or professional coaching uh, in so many different places. And it's been a blessing. And that has led me to the book, Lead Like a Follower, uh, which is what you held up at the beginning of this. Um, it, that's where the book came from, actually. Got you. Got you. Um, and it is an awesome book, y'all. I'm not just telling y'all this because this is my guest. Um, when she first, when I first saw the book, I love leadership books. I love learning. Um, and she spoke to mentorship. And I know mentorship is important. And what I've been finding out lately is oftentimes when we say we want a mentor, we're actually looking for somebody to physically be there with us. But through books like this, we can learn and have a mentor because we're learning from the mind of a leader. 
Uh, so thank you for your mentorship. Thank you for your obedience in putting out this particular work. Um, so with that being said, uh, one thing that that I was inspired by, and it's a passage in the book, it says inspiring others is much like this plant human relationship. We breathe life into others. And when I tell y'all that Sister Felicia breathes life into others, you know, whether it be on Sundays and Wednesdays, when I see her and our family, they are always committed to just doing the work of, of God. Um, but Miss Felicia, what inspires you or who inspires you? I'm always, in, I love a story. So I'm always inspired when I hear a story of great trials followed by great triumph. So whenever I hear a story and someone is had great uh, difficulties, but they have learned to triumph through them, I am always inspired. And I love local stories, people who look like me or who are from the same place as I am. I love those stories because it, it teaches me that it doesn't matter how hard it gets for me or where I've come from. I came from a, a little town, not a city, a town that doesn't even have a stoplight. Uh, we had 64 in our graduating class. Uh, and so <laughs> it's one of those places that it's like the Bible says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, you know, so I'm inspired by stories where people came from places like I came from, but then they reached depths and heights that I can only aspire to reach. It just gives me the faith to know that I can do if if it, all I need is one example to show me that it can be done. And if I've got that one example, I'm going for it. And there are times that I've not had an example that I've had to say, I'm going to have to become the example so that others will know they can do it. Um, so as we talk about leadership, we talk about, you know, you just mentioned having that example. And a lot of times I think we get caught up in people want to get out there and say that they're leaders, but they don't want to follow first. Yeah. So can you speak to a, a situation or provide us with information on why first it's important to be a follower before we can be a leader? Um, first of all, if you've not followed well, uh, no one's going to follow you. I believe in the law of sowing and reaping. And so whatever you put out there is what you're going to get back. And I'll, I'll just have to let me tell you, when I'm interviewing a person, if that person comes in and dogs out his current boss and talks about how they cannot follow that person, and if that person hasn't done something morally wrong, I will not hire that person. And I've had to say that to a couple of people that because it's only a matter of time. If I am your boss, I'm going to make you upset at some point and you're going to go and you're going to do the same thing to me. Um, so if you are putting out there rebellion and um, discord, that's what you're going to bring to an organization. And people are going to remember you when you were sowing discord and when you wouldn't follow. And so they're not going to take you seriously as a leader and follow you because you didn't follow well. So it's really important that we learn to follow before we ever say that we're going to lead anybody. 
Awesome. Uh, so, Miss Felicia, what does leadership mean to you? What would be your personal definition of leadership? I believe that leadership is simply the ability to get other people to come alongside you, aside beside you, to tackle a common goal. That's it. I can get people to come beside me to tackle this goal with me. Okay. Um, and so, for me, one of the big things about leadership, uh, and I tell people all the time, is how do I get my guests? It's people that that has a heart to be a servant leader, right? Um, and one of the biggest servant leaders I know is Jesus Christ, right? Yes. Um, so with servant leadership, you talk about it in your book, you know, through the, the supervision, the supervision. Um, do you mind elaborating on what supervision is and having that heart of being a servant leader? Absolutely. Um, I love word studies as a teacher. So the, the, the root super means in excess of or above or more than. And this, V-I-S, means to see. And so whenever you have a supervisor with a supervision, they are able to see more than the common person is able to see. They're able to see farther than the common person is able to see. They're able to see deeper than the common person is able to see. And they're able to see long before others. That's what qualifies them as leaders is that they can see something that the common person can't see. And what we have to learn to see as servant leaders are the needs all around us. A lot of times we're waiting on a big opportunity to serve, a big opportunity to, to make our debut. But I believe that success is in the small opportunities that you open your eyes to every single day. And um, one of the things that I uh, have said is, you know, it's almost like, um, you know how you uh, have a recurring uh, debt that they have your card on file for and they don't even have to call you every month they just run run your credit card number well, so I've told God <laughs> I've told God my yes is on file my yes is on file so he doesn't even have to ask me if there's a need that I see in the community I don't have to wait on someone to ask me to meet that need I don't have to go pray about it if I have the means of meeting that need God has my yes. Run my card, Lord. The answer is yes. But it's in there. It's the, the money's in there, Lord. I'm, I'm going to do it if you show it to me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, so as you begin your journey to becoming an author, how did that picture come to be? Um, first of all, this was a this particular book, uh, Lead Like a Follower, was a three year process. It's a small book, but it was three years. It is the craziest thing. I would put it down. I'd pick it back up, put it down, pick it back up. But my um, desire to be an author started when I was a kid. Um, I was in a situation that wasn't so good. And the person who would um, babysit me would let all the other children play. She would never let me play. My job was to clean and to sit and watch all the other kids, you know, play. And the one thing that she had, and this is how I know that God doesn't waste anything. She had a book. She had a room that had all these books in them. And I can, if I try hard, I can still smell those books right now. And I would go in that room and I would say, do you mind if I read some of your books? And that is the one thing she would let me do was read. 
And um, I was fascinated by stories that were inspirational. At the age of seven and eight, I was always fascinated by the stories that were inspirational there. And um, later on um, in middle school, I started writing. And one of my teachers kept saying, you need to keep writing. You need to keep writing. And when I mentioned that I was leaving um, the field of education, someone asked me once, um, what will you do? And I said, don't you worry. I'm not leaving my first love. I'm going to my first love. My first love is writing. My first major was journalism because I love to write and I love stories. And so I'm back where I feel I've made a full circle. I think I'm back where I think I belong. So with that journey, um, you know, just being an educator, being having a joy for writing. Um, we just did an episode in which we talked about having a joy for reading and changing the culture, changing the narrative, because a lot of times people say that, you know, uh, African-Americans, we don't we don't read. Mm-hmm. So if we don't read. We don't write. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a false narrative. How when, when you hear people talk about um, the African-American community and, and just people in general, they say people just don't read anymore. How does it make you feel? You know, I, I guess people say so much that I, it just kind of rolls off. But I am just convinced if there is a story out there that's not true, rather than argue with you, I can show you that it is. I can show you the truth. And rather than argue, I can actually change the narrative myself by what I do and what I impart into other people. Um, And I have a love for reading and I like to see that love for reading, especially well, with any kid. I I do love reading. um, And that's where you find your voice in in order to be able to write. And so one of the things that I did uh, a few years ago is I worked with some of the young men in the juvenile detention center one summer. And our goal was to get them to write. And here is why. I happen to believe, regardless of what we think about any type of music, but I happen to believe people who write rap are some of the smartest people in the world. They use some of the best metaphors. But I'm thinking, man, I wouldn't have said it that way, but I I can dig that, right? And so with these young men, I went in and we started talking about how other people see them and how they can write in a way that makes people see them differently, that they need to tell their own stories. Instead of letting people tell their stories for them, they need to tell their own stories. It was one of my best experiences with these boys, these young men, um, is just getting them to write and express themselves and to know that I am good at something. I am good at something. I'm not just good at crime. I'm not just good at what people say I'm good at, the negative things they say I'm good at. I'm, I can use my voice for something positive. Wow. That's that's an amazing process of, you know, the way that you put it, you know, breaking down the rap music and then you, pretty much what you did, you gave them a sense of hope. You empowered them to have more confidence. Mm-hmm. And with confidence mm-hmm. comes competence because the it's whole good. process of what they're doing, the, the writing, the, the rewriting, the how do I put these words together and have a sense of um, identity, so to say. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. How will other people know what I'm trying to convey? And a lot of times 
that goes back to what I was talking about mentorship, that mental mentorship, being able to connect with somebody I've never met that's on a completely different level or um, completely different space and in time or around the world, but I can connect with their minds. And that's what I love about the Bible is that we can connect with the mind of God, but also we can connect with the heart of God. Um, So as we speak to the heart, what type of heart does a leader need to have? And then also, how can we develop more leaders in today's time? Um, I think that in order to lead well, uh, well, let me first say that we need to dispel the 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 myth that leaders must be hard. Um, hard places, hard things are difficult to penetrate, but they're also difficult to get something out of. And so uh, sometimes when we're giving leadership positions, we are so we so want to be successful that we harden our hearts toward people who could really help us, including the people that we're serving. And so I feel like in order to be a leader, the heart that we need to have is a soft and pliable heart toward others, toward others. If we're not others minded, what are we leading for? Because we lead not for ourselves. We lead for others. We lead others. We don't need to get to the top. We help others get to the top. And Zig Ziglar says, if you help enough people get across the, 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 the shore to another shore, you're going to look up and you're going to be there yourself. And so if we'll focus on getting others to the top and bringing other bringing the best out of other people. That kind of heart is what not just what creates followers, but it creates leaders. It creates leaders because you're committed to bringing the best out of people. And that's what Jesus did. I think about the woman who was caught in in an act um, of adultery. And these people brought her to Jesus, expecting him to be harsh on her. And, you know, I was reading it the other day and the Bible says he just stooped down and started writing in the dirt, (laughs) started writing in the dirt. And then when he looked up, it said one by one, the people left, her accusers left. And he said, woman, where's your, where are your accusers? Did they not condemn you? And she said, they didn't. And he said, well, I'm not going to condemn you either. And so then he, he challenged her to go and do better. But it was in a, he said, go and don't keep sinning, go and sin no more. So he did two things. He loved her where she was. He saw the best in her. And then he challenged her. He opened her. He was so soft with her that she, he could challenge her. If we challenge people while we're being harsh, they retaliate. But if we, if we, challenge people in love out of a soft spirit, it brings them alongside of us. And that's what Jesus did. I love it. And I I like the way that you put it in the book because you label it uh, evaluation prompts reflection. So as you know, we go through and we are evaluating ourselves, um, not only are we, you know, thinking about who we are, we, we are reflecting on who we were and we are able to see a, a different picture or have a paradigm shift 
in our minds to say, okay, we're blessed with this opportunity. And now I have a calling to be different. I am called to do more with this particular opportunity. And I think a lot of times that, you know, when people have leadership opportunities, they forget that it's it's actually a call on their lives. Um, and, And they shift to a management type of role. So if you will, can you speak to the difference between a manager and a leader? Because there is a difference. And I think a lot of times people don't really realize what that difference is. I think one of the things that a manager do, is good at, and there, there, there's a call for managers, but one of the things that a manager's primary goal is to keep things going just to keep things going, make sure that everything's okay, to make sure that the fires are put out, to make sure that things are running smoothly. But a leader's goal is to not just keep things going on this plane, but to raise the bar and bring things up a level. And not just things, but situations, organizations, and people. We call people upward. One of the ways that we do that, you talked about this reflection, is we reflect. And I thought about this morning, actually, in another Bible study that I was in, where when we reflect, you know, we get away, get away, and we we look at what was the goal? Now, where was I? And is there a difference? Is there any distance between the goal and where I am? But the other thing that we do, and I love this, is when we're mentoring other people and leading other people, we ask the same thing. What was the goal? What was where was that person before I entered that person's life as their mentor or leader? Where is that person now? And see, in between where they were and where they are is something called the leader, because we're called to be to bridge the gap between where that person was and where that person wants to go. And that's what a leader does. He doesn't keep things going on the same plane. He brings people up. He charts a course for getting to another level. Mm, 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 mm. You just gave me chills with that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I say that, um, and, and the reason why I got chills because I'm thinking about like you said, if, we, if we're here and we're here, the leader is somewhere in the middle. But I feel like there, there has to be a willingness to be led. Do you agree? Absolutely. Let me tell you, um, I, uh, I don't accept every candidate uh, for mentorship that comes to me. You know, I do an, an interview process and I, and I tell people the way that I am. And um, sometimes I think this is not a good fit uh, because we sometimes we say we want a mentor, but what we want is someone to co-sign on all of our ideas. And that's that Jesus didn't do that. And nor should we. Right. And so if you want me to co-sign on all of your ideas, you know, you just want me to be a secret shopper. That's what you want me to do. But if you want a mentor, you want someone who's going to ask you some tough questions <laughs> And give you some tough feedback sometimes, I hope, in a spirit of love and humility. Um, but if we're not willing to be led, there can be so much talent and so much 
so many gifts inside of us, but we will never get the opportunity to carry those gifts to the world if we are unwilling to be led. You can only get yourself so far. And so you're going to have to have people around you to get you where you want to go or you're going to stay stagnant. Wow. So so speaking to your mentorship, speaking to um, being around people who can influence your life, tell us a little bit more about the Lead Like a Follower program. Uh, initially, we started the Lead Like a Follower program um, in order to get me off of my bottom and finish the book. And uh, I am a person who I have to have a deadline and I have to have some accountability or I will kind of slip sometimes. So I kept going. I told you it was a three year process and I kept going back and forth, back and forth. Linked Up, man, is a, is a, is a nonprofit. And uh, essentially, man, it, it exists to help close the wealth gap. And we do that by um, providing financial education, um, home ownership opportunities, entrepreneurship opportunities, and uh, access to mainstream banking to people in um, underserved communities. So, Sister Felicia, tell us a little bit more about the Lead Like a Follower program. Uh, the Lead Like a Follower program um, is it consists of a group of young adults uh, and middle aged adults now who have uh, recognized that they have leadership abilities and they have aspirations to go into either uh, leadership in business or in education, in ministry. And what we've done, we meet once per month, but we also couple uh, every month with the service project. And although these are adults, I have challenged them to see the small opportunities to really do what leadership, leadership does, which is to serve all around. This past Sunday, I'll tell you, we went to a women's shelter and there at that women's shelter, they provided worship, they provided roses, they made each woman a charcuterie board, um, just, just to let those ladies know that they were loved. And so what we do is we raise, we don't raise up leaders, but we recognize the leadership ability in other people. And then we mentor them for a year and then we bring in new people. Uh, but now I will say we've got a new crop of people, but the old people didn't leave. They wanted to stay. in, <laughs> So they're in, but they're actually, my job now is to mentor them to mentor other people. And so uh, that's, that's our job now is to make sure that they can pass along that service to other people. That's beautiful. Um, we are coming to an end. Uh, but before we do so, um, I always like to give my guests an opportunity to speak to anything that I may not have asked um, throughout the interview. So if there's anything else you want to share, feel free to do so. Um, I guess I pretty much said you asked really great interview questions. So they it, they really hit uh, the core of what I would say. But if I could just challenge the people and the listeners out there to do anything, it is to get active in our community. You know, when we see that there are needs in our community, it's not enough to just shake our heads and kind of, you know, talk about those people or blow them off. It's our duty 
to change the narrative, to get in there with the people and to change. And um, one of the reasons that you want to do that is because that's what Jesus did. But let me tell you what happens as a result. If you get out there in your community and you are using your gifts and your talents and your time and your treasure and all of those things to change, change your community, the Bible says that two things happen for you that your gift will make room for you, which means that it will open up doors that you couldn't have opened by yourself. That's what happens when you serve and you serve well. The other thing that happens is that found in Proverbs, the Bible says, do you see a person who's diligent in what they do? This is not a person who's sitting on the sidelines watching. That person is actively engaged. The Bible says that that person is going to stand before kings. And now in our day, the person is going to stand in front of important people in order to make a difference. So if you want to be a difference maker, get out there, get active, get involved, see the opportunities around you and then seize them. I like the way you said that. See the opportunity around you and then seize them. People, we got to work. We got to get out there. We got to work. Uh, you know, oftentimes before you are found in your, your gifts and with your talents, most people have a history of working and doing the work before they are and doing the work consistently. I got to put that word out there with consistency. You have to do your work. And as my sister said, be active. Sister Felicia, if anybody wants to be a part of the Lead Like a Follower program, how can they connect with you? Um, and then how can they find you overall? If they just want to learn more about you um, and just have a conversation with you, how can they connect with you? I'll give you three ways to connect with me. The first is our website. It is triumphedco.com. That's triumph, T-R-I-U-M-P-H. EDCO.com. You can reach me there, uh, message me there. Uh, the other way is that you can email me, and that email address is student supervisor FJ Felicia Johnson at.com. You can also call me. Now, I have to tell you, I'm not a great uh, phone picker upper, but I'm a great texter. 601 447 1452, and you can find me on Facebook under Felicia Johnson. Awesome. Thank you once again, Miss Felicia, for coming apart, being a part of the COE podcast and kicking us off for Women's History Month. She is making history and she has a lot of powerful people that is with her. They are out there changing the game and doing it in Christ's name. And that's yeah. big, y'all. So stay connected. So once again, COE champion over everything. Once again, thank you for tuning in to COE, Champion Over Everything.